Tune into the Tour of Utah podcast on 1280thezone.com. The podcast includes tips for how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the Tour of Utah in action. Time to talk a little BYU football now with Greg Rubel, play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Greg, good morning. Good morning, and it was a fitting musical intro, as I know that uh, you and I all believe and embrace the spirit of radio. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do embrace the spirit of radio. So, the Cougars, as things get underway here with the camps kicking off and all that, it's a big week. What's your number one question about BYU football? How long it takes for Zach Wilson to look full go, look like he's throwing it 100%, I guess would be the question we have um, top of the chart during August. All right, I'm going to assume and take them at their word that they thought that he would be ready uh, by the time the season starts. So we still have got another month for that uh, to get going. With, yeah. with that in mind, so just for argument's sake, assume that you know he's playing at the level that he's capable of playing. What does that mean for the production of the offense this season? Well, I, I guess we should probably uh, go back to the you know last time he played and 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 when he did. You know, last suit up, he was he was pretty darn good, and he was playing hurt at that time. So, you know, he wasn't necessarily 100% the last time he played, and he was okay. Um, so, you know, if if they repair what they need to repair, and, and and everything's gone the way it's supposed to go, and and the the pacing of the rehab, you know, aka pitch count works as designed, then then all is well. Um, I, I guess the positive is that even when he wasn't you know, totally perfect with the arm. He he still managed to be pretty productive. And I thought that, you know, from a productivity and a, a chunk play standpoint and a bigger play perspective, BYU was better uh, second half of last year than the first half of last year. And the objective now would be to kind of capitalize off of that and springboard it to be an even more, um, you know, more explosive offense. You, you, you just wish if you're a BYU fan that you could have a promising quarterback uh, have a whole entire healthy off season before that next season comes. That hasn't been the case with BYU. If he can't go, how much confidence do you have in the guys behind him? Well, I guess I look primarily to to the main guy, and that would be Jaron Hall. He's a different kind of player uh, than Zach Wilson, but I think there were there were pretty valuable reps he got in spring, and and you know I I just want Zach Wilson to be able to be the guy uh, on, on day one. Uh, but if he's not, um, you know, Jaron Hall is an, an, a- an adequate, um, you know, fallback. Uh, he's super athletic and, and not maybe as developed a passer as Zach Wilson, but is more in the playmaker mold than, this, than, than, than the straight thrower. Overall, what is your general level of optimism regarding this season? Well, I think BYU could be a, a, a really good team and still – um, you know, consider just getting to a bowl game to be a, a pretty decent accomplishment, considering the the, the 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 kinds of games BYU has on the schedule this year. Um, you know, we'd all love to see those double-digit seasons that BYU rolled off uh, a few years ago. But uh, to me, uh, and 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 not that the bar should be set necessarily this low, but I think you know the minimum uh, expectation of getting to a bowl game would mean that you're still a pretty good football team. 
Do you think this team will be good enough to avoid the really embarrassing home loss? Because we all get how tough, the, especially the opening month of the season, but there's tough games after that. But it's just BYU fans just can't handle losing to UMass and Northern Illinois at home. Yeah, it's been a while since BYU's had a, a winning home record. I think it's been three seasons since they've had a winning record at home. And, um, you know, it, that, that's kind of been, you know, at least, you know, last year. I, I look at 2017 as, as kind of a dramatic outlier. There, there were so many things that went wrong that year. But in, last year, I, I think you could, you know, I, you could look at winning uh, at Arizona and then losing at home to Cal and then winning at Wisconsin all happening in the span of a few weeks you know, kind of uh, encapsulated the uh, the inconsistency BYU struggled with for a lot of last year, and and if you could use the, even use the Utah game as an example of, of what's happening at home, if you take a look over the last decade of football uh, between BYU and Utah, the best chances BYU's had to win games have come in Salt Lake City uh, more than they have in Provo. And, and so BYU does have a bit of a hurdle to overcome relative to consistent home performances. In my mind, you know, you talk about the standard is the bowl. And, you know, I don't have any problem with that. But I look that to have progression in the program, to see that it is growing and it is pointing in the right direction. So I'm thinking last year they established something with the new offensive coaches and they finished strong. So now they have to increase that. So they've got to be a little bit better. So I'm looking for my standard is a little bit better than last year. Is that fair? Sure. I mean, uh, eight wins would be a little bit better. And if you can cobble eight wins out of this year's schedule, I think you're a really good football team. Um, that, that first month, and it's not just about the first four games. I mean, the, the, the September does include a road trip to Toledo, and, and that's, um, that's, that's a good team at their level of football and the kind of team that's beaten BYU in the past. You bring up Northern Illinois in Provo. Um, you know, South Florida in the East Coast, you've got four East Coast games this year. There's just enough, um, you know, danger spots on the schedule this year to where if, 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 if you're playing in a bowl game, you're pretty good. If you're winning eight games, I think you're really good. Anything beyond that, I think you're, uh, you're even better than, uh, expect- better than maybe lofty expectations might have been in the preseason. Um, I, I just look at, I look at 12 regular season games, and if you were to say, you know, uh, and, and no one looks at games like this, you know, on the staff necessarily, but the games you're most favored to win would be three at this point, right? The ones where you feel most comfortable about winning would be Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass coming in November. But I don't think you look beyond that to too many other games and say, well, that's one we're, we're going to count on getting. And so you've got to find a way to get at least three, if not four or five of those other games to get yourself to the point you want to be at or the BYU fan base would like BYU to be at, and that is better than it was before, uh, eight, nine, ten wins. So as you start to uh, do your homework on all these opponents, I mean, we know the names and we kind of know how they resonate and what we think of the programs, but any given year they're up or down. Do you see any games that look a lot tougher than the rep or games that look a lot easier than the rep in these other games you're talking about? Well, I, I think Utah's legit the toughest team BYU's going to see this year. I, I, I just think there's every reason to believe that if BYU can, can you know, somehow find a way to get that game, then they're going to be able to compete with everyone else on their schedule. Whether they win every one of those games is, is, you know, is, is, is the debate. But I think that Utah is just you know, solid in every possible way. And then you, you know, add the, the, the weight of history, and they've got that going for them as well. 
Um, I, I think it's dangerous to ever consider an SEC team to be uh, any kind of game that you should be a favorite in, uh, on the road especially, and with the kind of people they've got back and the money they spent on coordinators there. Um, that whole first four-game slate, I mean, uh, USC I think is expected to be better than they were um, uh, with a quarterback back and the receiving core they've got, and Chris Peterson's got a machine rolling right now. I know it's more than just the first four games, but there's nothing about those first four games that's anything other than extremely, extremely difficult uh, for BYU. And, and so I, I don't know what an acceptable mark is through those first four games, but it's as tough a sled as, as, as BYU is ever going to have. And as, as, as teams who are non-P5s know, when, when you face a lot of P5s in a row, um, you're, you're probably going to come out a little worse for wear. And, and they get them back to back to back to back. It's, 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 it's a tough it's a tough challenge, and um, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know what, what an acceptable mark is through those four games. I guess I have to kind of see how the opponents look when, when BYU plays them, but uh, um, there are just not too many soft spots. Again, even going to Toledo in late September, um, nothing easy about that. I, you know, South Florida is a team that, you know, they did open 7-0 and last year before losing six in a row, so I don't know exactly what Charlie Strong has but uh, East Coast games have been tough for BYU, and if BYU wins at South Florida, that'll be BYU's first ever win in the state of Florida. They've never won a game in that state before. And then the Boise State-Utah State back-to-back with a bye week in between. I mean, we all know what Utah State looks like lately against BYU, and Boise's Boise, and they've had their number against BYU as well. So, again, you go first four, eight, get your first four games, you go first eight games, it's it's – it's difficult. And then you've got that three-game slate. You hope to kind of, you know, get well in. Then you finish at Rocky Long to end the year, too. So it's just a really intriguing, compelling schedule to me, guys. And I'm, I'm just fascinated by it because I really don't know what to expect at this point. So with the contract situation, Kalani, they haven't extended him. And coaches are always on the hot seat. But do you think that he's playing or coaching for his job any more so than what everybody else is doing? Yeah, probably not more than, than any other. Um, I, I know that historically, right, BYU doesn't let their coaches get into uh, last year's situations, and so this would, would appear to be a, a pretty pivotal year in that sense. I think if Kalani can end the year like he begins the year, and that is with a winning overall record, uh, BYU can, can show progress. And, and I think that you know, the, the powers that be know the kind of slate that BYU is you know, put in front of the head coach this year. I think they also believe they got the kind of players to win a lot of games in that slate as well. And so how, how that all comes together may determine, um, you know, long-term prognosis. But I, I, I for Kalani's sake, hope that there's enough, enough success to keep him here a long time. I just have a, a gut feel that, that he's just, just the right guy for this program. And, and there's everything about him that I, that, that, that I love as it relates to BYU. And from a personal standpoint, I just wish him a lot of success so that he can be here as, as long as he would like to be. The running game, they bolster it with a couple of grad transfers. What do you know about them? What do you expect out of them? Well, I don't know that, that, that either of them is, is the, the impact game-breaker, but I haven't seen enough of them to judge that they, that they couldn't be uh, the kind of back to have explosive games. Uh, Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Supa both had some injury issues at their previous stops. More than anything else, though, I think they bolstered depth. And, and where BYU got hurt most last year, especially as the year went along, was just not enough, um, not enough good bodies of running back by the end of the year to the point where you know a converted defensive player 
you know, Matt Hadley goes out and, and really hurts the team. Um, and and I, I do think that Lopini Katoa is a little bit – I don't know how overlooked he would be because I don't really know what the vibe is about him out there, but he was BYU's touch leader uh, for a lot of good reasons in only 11 games, and of those 11 games he wasn't a starter in, in all of them. Um, yet when he, when, he, when he was given the ball, I thought he was pretty effective. And, and he was a guy also, too, that we didn't see much in the offseason in the spring. So if Lopini Katoa is healthy and, and Zach Wilson is healthy and Matt Bushman looks to be full speed um, and, and they're deeper at running back and Gunnar Romney can have a healthy second year, I think that, that, that's a pretty good group to build around. And, and when BYU's offenses have been their best, you haven't had to have eight, nine, and ten you know, major playmakers, you've really been able to focus on uh, a smaller group of four, five, and six go-to guys and have them kind of make things run. All right, I agree with that 100%. On the other side, the defensive side, I think there's a lot of the same issues in terms of, well, they've, they've got some pretty good players, but, you know, there's a little bit of a drop-off. And we saw that in the Utah game big time when Kafusi goes down and – how much have they been able to improve that situation to be able to withstand the obvious situations that are going to occur over the course of 12 games? Yeah, and I want to, again, kind of look at 2017 as, as the, the true outlier. We haven't seen too many seasons like that in BYU football history. But if you take 2016 and 2018 with the you know, Sitake, Tuiaki, you know kind of uh, 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 tandem going in terms of defensive mindset, You've seen a top 25 scoring defense in both of those years. I think schematically, as long as as long as Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani Sitake are together, I think schematically you're going to find a defense that's going to be competitive enough to put up those kinds of numbers year in year out. Um, and 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 they don't necessarily have to have, you know, more than one or two potential NFL draft picks on a roster to be good. And they've had, you know, about about one good draft pick a year the last number of years with, with this coaching staff. Um, I, I think that they're going to be good enough. I think that the biggest progress has to come PK offensively. I, I think the defense has been able to, to do just enough to be in and hopefully win some games. But I think it's been it's been on the offense to, to hold up its end of the bargain. And if they can just score a few more points, it's going to make a world of difference for this BYU team. I think defensively they're going to be okay. The biggest strides have to come on the other side, I think. Greg Rubel. Play-by-play voice of the BYU Cougars joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So there have been a lot of uh, close games. I think there were three losses by a touchdown or, or less last year. So in special teams, is there a big play there? Whether it's in the place-kicking game or somewhere else, is there a big play to be made there? Is there a group that can give them an advantage? Well, Jake Oldroyd's back. And, and if, if you go off a couple of little social media clips, looks like he's got a bit of a leg back with him. When he last left BYU, he made that dramatic kick to beat Arizona, and then he had some back issues. And, you know, you, you, and, and BYU's just had the worst luck and been kind of snake bit with kickers lately and, and, and their health and their ability to carry over, you know, high school numbers into college. But you know, Jake Oldroyd and, and Skylar Southam, um, I, I think, will be the guys look to, to take care of most of the kicking duties this year. Uh, one can never speak to what's going to happen in the return game because in the college game, the return game is you know almost kind of non-existent these days. It, it, it's so rare that big plays are made in the return game. But you know, from an overall special team standpoint, Ed Lamb has coordinated a pretty solid group, even without 
um, a big leg in the program or those long field goals that Utah tends to make so regularly. In fact, it's been now, gosh, 13 years, almost 13 years, guys, since BYU last had a 50-yard field goal in a game. And so BYU hasn't been able to count on a big leg for a long time. Whether or not this is the year that happens, you know, time will tell. Uh, but I think that Ed Lamb, as a coordinator, churns out a pretty solid, if not very, very good group each year, even without maybe some headline, headline makers uh, in the kicking game that Utah always churns out year by year. So you got Riley Nelson there as your new uh, partner, and I always yeah. thought that he was a great, great interview because he'd process the question and then he'd give you detailed answers, extended answers, deep answers to questions, and that he was always a great interview. How do you channel that knowledge into mere seconds because he doesn't have, it's not an interview situation where yeah. he can go on an extended run of his thoughts? And it's, you know, I mean, you're playing, you know, no huddle teams, or if you're t- the team you're calling itself is going to be a quicker tempo team, your your time's even more compressed. And that'll be Riley's challenge, that, and 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 he'll um he'll he'll certainly find out on the fly just what that rhythm is all about. And and, and that'll be and that's any commentator's challenge is getting out what you want to get out in a finite period of time. But uh, I, I I think you're going to get uh, great insight and really cogent analysis, and I think it will be. Uh, a situation where you can learn a lot in a little of time, uh, a little bit of time with Riley, because and, and and you know he'll he'll visually know, you know how to pace himself. Uh, we're both watching the same game, and he knows when when the alignment is set, and he knows when teams are coming to the line, and he knows when he's got to get his, uh, his his contributions out and spoken for. And it'll be a rhythm thing and a chemistry thing, and I'm I'm just kind of uh, excited to you know learn with him and and learn from him. And, and get this new thing rolling. Um, I've never, ever called a football game without Mark Lyons by my side, so it's going to be a, quite an adjustment. Uh, but I look forward to getting to know Riley better and obviously getting to work with him, and, and hopefully our listeners will really enjoy uh, what he offers because I've got a, a strong suspicion that he'll, he'll fall right into this pretty well. You mentioned Ed Lamb, and one thing about uh, bringing him in was that uh, he's supposed to uh, identify these guys who are really raw Develop them, and man, if you develop, you know, NFL guys at Southern Utah, you, you got a knack for this. So we're getting to the point. You got to allow for the for missions and red shirts and all that. But we're getting to the point now where we ought to start to see some of that paying off. Are there guys that are just totally off the median fans' radar who are ready to take a massive leap? Have you heard any of that? Uh, I mean, he's not he's not off the radar at all. So I don't think you know. It, it, but but Kyrus Tonga is is. He's, I think he's the real deal. I, I, I think that he looks a lot like uh, those players Utah's been producing for years now. And, um, I, I, again, they don't, they don't always generate the most headlines because of the position they play. But I think he's going to be as important a defensive player as BYU's had in some time. And that's, and that's you know, again, not an off-the-radar guy, just a really, really impressive guy. I know there are a couple of young guys that Kalani has his eye on, but it's just too early to see. Um, you know, if those prognostications will come to fruition because the careers tend to last so long here at BYU. But from a defensive standpoint, um, Kyrus and, and Devin Kafusi are, are guys, that, and Isaiah Kafusi and Diane Gomoliku, probably my, my big four, Zane Anderson gives me five. Um, and so I, I, I guess I formulate a pretty short list pretty quickly of defensive players that excite me. But I think if you're looking at, at who might have the, the most pro potential right now, um, it's t- t- tough to avoid Kyrus Tonga. You like the Utah game at the start? 
Sure. Yeah, I, I like it late. I really like how it how you know we already we really knew who everybody was by the end of last season, um, and by that by the same token, the injuries played a lot into that game in, in both sides really. Um, but but first game is uh, yeah, it's 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 a great way to start the season. I mean, it's it, it, it and in a way, there's so much riding on it. Maybe more for BYU than for Utah, right? I think Utah, no matter what happens, they've got their league to get into. And that's still a few weeks away. But for BYU, uh, when you're not in a league, this becomes kind of you know the landmark, and and you hope things go your way. And if you don't, you want to find out how the guys have to respond with a really tough back-to-back-to-back trio coming with Tennessee, USC, and UW. So it's uh, pretty intriguing that way, and uh, you find out a lot about yourself right off the start. Um, and again, I, I think more probably rides on it for for BYU than Utah. Greg, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again as the uh, as the season gets closer. Anytime. Uh, you know, all you have to do is uh, is have Jake shoot me a text, and and I'm all yours. All right, thanks, Greg. See you guys.